Welcome to Practice Life, the podcast devoted to the important non-clinical issues affecting the daily practice of equine veterinary medicine. Practice Life is brought to you by the American Association of Equine Practitioners. And I'm Mike Pannell, a practice owner and veterinarian, and a longtime EAP member and your host. Beringer Ingelheim Equine Health understands the incredible relationship that exists between horses and humans. And when it comes to managing the horse's health, there are actually two patients, the horse and the owner. That's why we create science that helps strengthen and prolong that bond. To learn more about Beringer Ingelheim's approach to equine treatments and solutions, visit bi-animalhealth.com equine. Hi, I'm Mike Connell, and welcome to another episode of AAP Practice Life, the podcast about equine practice outside of the medicine, brought to you by our good friends at Beringer Engelheim. Always good to have good support, and Beringer Engelheim has been a great supporter of the last couple of years of the AAP Practice Life podcast. We have a really interesting uh, discussion tonight, and it's one that one of our guests emailed me after listening to one of the AP Practice Life podcasts and said, hey, do you think this would be a great subject? And I was like, that would be an excellent subject. So what we're going to talk about are practices that, how would we say it, have a focus. So instead of the typical generalist or a big hospital, our three guests have practices that are very focused on a couple of things. And I think it's interesting and fascinating. And I'm looking forward to hearing the stories on these veterinarians and how they got to where they are. So let me start from the very beginning. And I'm so happy that she emailed me, Dr. Jennifer Lorenz from Capital Performance Veterinary Services. Hi, Jennifer. Hello. Jennifer's in Wisconsin. And just across the state a little bit is Dr. Molly Rice from Midwest Veterinary Dental Services. Good evening, Molly. Hi, Mike. And a friend of mine, from the other side of the country, from California, Dr. Jenny Johnson of Oak Hill Shockwave and Veterinary Chiropractic. Good evening, Jenny. Good evening, Mike. Nice to be here. Thanks all. So we'll start with you, Jennifer. Tell us about your practice. Just in general, we'll get into how you ended up there, but just tell us what your practice is and what you do, and we'll go back in the same order as we introduce you. Sure. My practice, Capital Performance Veterinary Services, is focused mainly on rehab chiropractic and acupuncture. It's been an evolution, but that's what I'm mainly focused on these days and having fun doing it. And Molly, I think a lot of what you do is in the title of the practice, but please tell us (laughs) about your practice. Yes, I work for Midwest Veterinary Dental Services, and we obviously provide dental services for animals. When I started with the practice, we were equine exclusive. And I am still equine exclusive. However, we do have a dual board certified small animal and equine veterinary dentist as well. So we do offer some small animal specialty dental services as well. So all we do is teeth. Now, Jennifer, you're in practice by yourself, right? Correct. Okay. But Molly, there's several of you in your practice. Yes, we have several of us. We have three full-time veterinarians and then we have uh, three residents as well. Wow. Fascinating. And Jenny, tell us about your practice, what you focus on. My practice is a combination of uh, shockwave therapy and chiropractic work. I initially started doing shockwave therapy on a referral basis from other veterinarians in the area. That was probably 
15 years ago. And then since the last 12 years or so, I've been doing chiropractic and do just those two things. And I work with the other veterinarians in my area to try and support them in those particular fields. Fascinating. And Jenny, we'll continue on with you. So why this type of practice? I know when you look at your website and look at your bio, you've done general practice, you've done racehorse practice, you've done performance horse practice. It seems like you've done it all, but why this focus? Initially, when I started to do the focus on shockwave, I had stopped practicing for a period of time or stopped full-time practice for a period of time because I had young children and uh, I had life changes that required me to go back to work. And I had two small children and I could not logistically go back to a full-time, full-service equine practice. I, I wanted to have time to be with my children and to raise my children. And so I spent a fair amount of time trying to figure out what I could do in the performance horse world that would allow me to continue to provide an aspect of care for performance horses, but on a scheduled basis so that I could be also at home with my children when I needed to be. And then growing from there to add the chiropractic, the chiropractic was something that I've been interested in for quite a long time, largely coming to it through horses of my own that I had ridden and competed on and had experience how it changed them. And then I eventually got the training in chiropractic and added that to the practice. Again, it's all on a scheduled basis and largely so that I could be with my children and raise my family. So you're a real trendsetter because you sort of said like years back, like this is the way I want to do practice. And so what the way it's normally done, I'm going to do it my way. <laughs> well, yeah, sometimes, uh, you know, the, what do they say? Necessity is the mother of invention, right? Right. Interesting. And Molly, tell us about yourself. So how did you end up being an equine dentistry only practitioner? Yeah, so that's a good question. So I started out in general equine practice. I did an internship coming out of school, and then I worked for a great practice uh, just north of Madison. And I was with them for about six years. And then in 2008, when the economy tanked, people weren't breeding horses again. We just weren't quite fully busy to support all of the veterinarians that we had there. And I think at that time, we had six or seven equine vets. And my boss at the time was friends with my current boss, who had a dentistry-focused practice, probably about an hour, hour and a half from where, where I lived up there. And he needed help, but didn't quite need a full additional veterinarian. And so they basically worked out an arrangement where they rented me <laughs> to the dental practice for a day or two a week. And I don't exactly remember how I got volunteered for it, other than that I, I did enjoy dentistry at the time. But I started doing it. I got more training. And unfortunately for my former practice, once I really got into the dentistry, I fell in hook, line, and sinker. I just really enjoyed it. And I really wanted to become good at one thing. So eventually I left my general practice and then joined in with the dental practice only. And at the time that I was joining that practice, my boss was actually starting his residency training for small animal because at that time, the equine specialty, dental specialty didn't exist yet. And so he wanted to get some advanced training. So he was actually gone about two weeks a month. I came on kind of at a good time to kind of keep his practice going while he was getting that training. And then eventually the equine dental residency came to fruition. And when it came around, then I, then I was able to do that program as well. Interesting. How about yourself, Jennifer? Tell us your story of how you ended up uh, in your kind of practice. So it's really been an evolution. I graduated in 2009 at the height of the recession, had a couple jobs. When there were just so many, so many jobs available. <laughs> yes. 
the students laugh when I tell them there were literally three job postings on yes. AAP when I graduated. I worked in Pennsylvania for a little while. My husband and I wanted to move back to Wisconsin around 2012, 2013, and there just weren't any jobs. So I jumped feet first in and started a general equine practice, but I thought I would add acupuncture because at the time no one was really doing that and I had some interest in it. And from there, it's just kind of snowballed because once I was doing the acupuncture, people were asking for the chiropractic. So then several years later, I added that in and I've enjoyed the work so much and seen how it can help the animals. I became more interested in rehab. So I am certified in small animal rehab currently with the goal to get certified in equine rehab next. <laughs> so it's it really has been an evolution of just kind of finding what I like to do and focusing on it. One of the things that comes through from all three of you is that to have this focused practice required a lot more education than just vet school or an internship. Like all of you have had to go and do more certification, more training. And just listening to you talk is like, wow, this is not just easy as saying, I just want to do this. Like that's a commitment. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> that leads me to my next question. Molly, we'll start with you. Is I assume it could have been a lonely path. Tell me, like, what were the challenges? Yeah. So part of the challenge for me is that I went from a multi-doctor practice joining a single doctor practice where the clients wanted him. <laughs> mm. I had done that before, going from my internship to my general practice, but that was challenging because his clients had had him and they called his cell phone directly to schedule appointments and yada, yada, yada. So it was helpful to me that he was gone uh, because during those weeks, they didn't have a choice. You know, you build relationships with clients fairly quickly, or at least I always have been lucky to do that. So I, I was able to kind of wind my way into the practice pretty easily. And then the other thing is when I first started in a dental focused practice, I had been doing dentistry for six or seven years at that point, um, but I had been doing a whole lot of other things too. And so over the last 10 to 15 years, I've really expanded my dental knowledge. And then obviously with the specialty training, there were some bumps in the road as I, as I got more competent with my, just my general skills in dentistry. How about yourself, Jennifer? What were the challenges when you were starting the practice and even now? I think it's educating owners and colleagues as to what it is I'm actually doing. So I, I live in a fairly rural part of Wisconsin. So I still get a lot of, you do what? <laughs> and a lot of questions about like, well, do you have to sedate the animals to do this? So just educating people that one, what I do works and explaining what it is I do. It's really been rewarding because once you get those people on board and they see the results, they're very happy. And I'm very happy. There you go. And finally, Jenny, how about yourself? I'm sure you must have had challenges uh, starting off on your path. Yes, I think for me, one of the bigger challenges was that when I started this practice, I had recently moved from Florida, then Colorado, New Zealand, and, and landed in California. And I literally did not know a soul. So I'd come from where I'd most recently practiced had been in Wellington, where I was well acquainted. And, I, and I'd grown up on the East Coast and uh, was pretty familiar with that whole corridor from the Northeast to Florida. And I came to California and 
didn't know anyone and needed to you know build a practice from zero and literal zero and so for me my focus was how do i create relationships with the other veterinarians in the area because at that time shockwave had not been around for that long here and so there were most of the practices did not have shockwave so for me it was how do i develop those relationships with the other veterinarians uh, so that they feel comfortable contacting me about shockwave about whether it's an appropriate case to use it on and how do I build that relationship? And so the, part of my, the, my business model was then and continues to be that I'm not a competitor to the other veterinarians in the area. And so it's it's been a, a total 180 from what regular practice was like, where you, when you go into the barn, you're never really happy to see the other veterinarians in the barn where you are working. Whereas now, and what I've always been in this practice is that I'm always happy to see the other veterinarians because it's an opportunity to talk to them build that relationship. And I think having spent that time and that work with that relationship building, when I then added chiropractic, it was easier in a lot of ways because the veterinarians that I work with a lot had already built that relationship, knew that I was providing good quality care, that I was well-educated in what I was doing, well-informed, and that I was going to keep them in the loop. And that's one thing that I've always done is I kind of look at myself as another set of eyes but if I see something on a horse, I refer back or I'll contact directly the veterinarian and say, hey, I think you need to take a look at this. And so there's frequently a lot of back and forth conversation on that just to keep them in the loop. And I kind of feel that my practice is more of a collaborative uh, element as opposed to a competitive element. So I think the challenge was was building that groundwork from zero. And that's interesting. And you sort of have started to touch on my next question. And Molly, I'll go to you. It's like, uh, what are your relationships like with neighboring veterinarians? I can imagine some of them are like, well, I can do teeth. Uh, Yes, she's boarded, but I can do teeth. And now all my dentistry work is gone. Uh, Maybe I'm just assuming, but. That's actually a great question. I think for the most part, we have really great relationships with our surrounding veterinarians. Part of that is because we're not the only people that do dentistry, right? Like you said, most general practitioners do some form of dentistry. Some like it more than others, which is fine. As part of this discussion, each of us find what we like best, and and we do that. We're not in business to try to take everybody's routine dental work, right? I do a lot of routine dentistry as part of my practice, but a lot of what we offer are the specialty surgeries, the periodontal management, managing some of these more tricky dental cases that a lot of the referring vets don't really want to manage. We try to communicate well with the clients. We try to communicate well with our referring vets to keep everybody happy. And and like I said, I think for the most part, we have really, really great relationships with our vets. And, and like Jenny said, I love when I go to a barn and I run into another vet because I just love saying, hello, you know, how are things going? A lot of times we'll talk about cases that we'd you know, had recently worked on together. Um, so we like to try to keep those lines of communication open. And how about yourself, Jennifer? How do you find the collaboration or the relationship with your uh, neighboring veterinarians? I think for the most part, it's really good. Uh, there's Since I've started, there have been more practices who offer the same services, acupuncture, chiropractic. But some of the best relationships I have are with the vets who also use my services. So I have several small and large animal veterinarians who who don't offer the services I do. 
And it's really fun because they'll call me and I'll work on their dog or horse. And that's been very rewarding. So overall, it's good. And I think like everyone else had said, open lines of communication with anything that is referred to me so that I'm not pulling into the barn and also pulling a Coggins and doing vaccines. Pretty much everyone knows that that's not on the table. I'm just there to do my job. Let their regular veterinarian do the rest of the work. So as we were discussing, one thing that came to mind, and I and I imagine it's very a question we could ask for a, just a solo practitioner, but even more so with yourselves, because what you do is let's call it a niche type of service. And that is okay, you're with Jenny and Jennifer, you're solo practitioners, but how do you collaborate on cases in terms of when you when you're stuck? You know, if you're a group practice, you see a lameness or an eye or something, you have other people that run it by you, or it's a more common type of presentation. So you can go into a listserv or go onto one of the AAP member talk groups, what have you. But when you're have a very focused practice and you're by yourself, how do you collaborate or how do you get feedback on cases? So Jenny, how, how do you approach that? Well, a, a number of ways, I think, if, if it's an issue that I think is a chiropractic issue and I'm stuck in that regard, uh, then I typically will contact colleagues who, are, who do chiropractic work, usually scattered across the country that I can check in with. I would say more common for me is horses that have a variety of issues going on and there are the trainer or owner will ask me to work on the horse because they're performance horse vet is a little stuck and we want to see what you know where is chiropractic playing and so i would say more common would be that i would be working with the regular veterinarian to say okay what do we think the next step is i've addressed sort of the chiropractic issues that i can find if i again if i'm stuck on that i'll speak with another colleague at the same chiropractic but i would say commonly it's what's the next step what is the you know do we want to get a you know here where i am i'm very fortunate because we have a number of referral facilities that have fairly extensive diagnostic capabilities. So, you know, there's horses that I've had that have gone to have a CT scan of their neck, or they'll get an MRI of, you know, some various body parts, or do we need a bone scan? Or how do the chiropractic findings fit in with the other findings that the uh, regular veterinarian is finding? I think that's more common, and that's, it's a collaboration between me, their regular vet, and the referral facility, and what diagnostic findings they might have on advanced imaging. Right. Makes sense. How about yourself, Jennifer? I would agree. A lot of the collaboration is between myself and maybe their regular veterinarian or the sports medicine veterinarian they might be working with to figure out some lameness issues, especially on horses where I feel like we've done a great adjustment. We've used the acupuncture. Things just aren't going quite right. Maybe we need to be looking in a different direction. And then if it is something where I have a question about acupuncture, chiropractic, uh, I would say I, I have, yes, relationships with other people who specialize in those services. Um, a lot of them were people that I went through the programs with. So right. I keep in contact with a lot of them to bounce ideas off of. And Molly, here's a really dumb question. How many boarded equine dentists are there, veterinary dentists are there in North America? 
don't quote me on that, but it's somewhere around 26 to 27, I think. So There's not a few a of those are in your not a lot. Not a not lot. A lot. So, but, but we're a very close community. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to get to is I guess with that, yeah. even within your own practice, which is a group dental practice, you still have opportunities to get other opinions, other insights. Yep, absolutely. And I would say the diplomates in the in the dental college are very good about reaching out by email. We're always bouncing cases off, off of one another. Even though I just do dentistry, we sometimes run into problems with the heart or this, that, and the other thing. And, and our practice has about probably half a dozen other practices that we do their advanced dental work. Some of them are hospitals. And so we stay connected with all of the internists and the surgeons. And, you know, because a lot of times you may have to consult about a horse that has another issue that then you'll refer to somebody else, you know, for workup. Okay. So Jenny, I got to ask, this is my standard question I, I ask everybody is what has surprised you about your journey, about your choice in a in this type of practice business model? Uh, I would say initially how difficult it was to sort of get things rolling. Not terribly surprising, but sometimes you feel like you're beating your head against a wall sometimes until you kind of get a modest amount of momentum rolling. And I think once you kind of get that momentum rolling, then things really kind of can take off. And it's a, it's a pretty different feeling, you know, from one end of that to the other end of that. And uh, I think that's, possibly surprising. Um, I've also, I, I've been pleasantly surprised by uh, the collaboration with other veterinarians and even working with other veterinarians who are actually trained in chiropractic, but then will actually have me work on either their own horses or on some of their client horses. And I think that's, you know, a nice surprise and very flattering, of course. You know, that's a, that's an interesting phenomenon that I might not have expected. That is interesting. How about yourself, Molly? Probably the biggest surprise for me is that I, I never get bored. You know, I thought when I went into to just doing dentistry that you, you're kind of doing the same thing every day. But I always say, you know, opening a mouth is like opening a Christmas present. You just don't know what you're going to find in it. <laughs> um, and even though I've been doing this for a, a while now, I'm always finding new things or things I've never seen before. And so even though I do a lot of the same things over and over again, I just I never get bored. And so and it's also very rewarding to feel like I'm making a big difference in a lot of these horses' lives and their comfort. And the owners are very appreciative of that. Great. And Jennifer? I am most surprised that this is what I'm doing, <laughs> like, period. Like, if you had told me in vet school that I was going to get trained in acupuncture and chiropractic, I would have told you you were crazy and never in a million years this is where I would have ended up. I think the other surprise is how rewarding it's been. I joke with a lot of my clients that my patients are always happy to see me. I have mm -hmm. dogs that come visit me at the clinic and they jump out of the car and run straight to the door. Um, you know, again, I joke with the owners and say it's the peanut butter, but um, <laughs> a little bit of it might be what I'm doing. <laughs> so a lot, I'm sure. So again, as we're talking, I always get these questions and, and Molly, something you were you know, saying about the, you're surprised that you're not bored doing the same thing every day. But one of the things I'm thinking about is when I was doing dentistry a lot is it hurts. <laughs> Physically, it hurts. And so the question for all of you, and we'll start with you, Molly, is how do you protect your body? Because it's one thing, if you're a generalist, you're doing a little bit of everything, but when you're doing that kind of repetitive physical, whether you're doing uh veterinary spinal manipulation or dentistry, that's tough work. 
over yeah. and over and over again. So how do you take care of your body? Yep. So that's a really good question. I have a lot of support through an acupuncturist and chiropractor for myself. So I do a lot of that. I recently started taking a liquid collagen, which has helped. I have some neck arthritis and that has made a huge difference in my overall comfort level. Plus I have amazing assistance. So mm-hmm. I have a very strong assistant. A lot of times I'll use the dental stocks, um, which is just easier. So, you know, a lot of times I'm sitting when I'm doing some of my dentistry. I'm also short. I'm about five four. So a lot of the warm bloods that I work on, it's actually comfortable for me to stand, which is nice. I mean, <laughs> I'm kind of a good good size for, for doing dentistry on a lot of these horses. And it's just trying to stay in shape. But I find that that keeps your, your body going and, and comfortable, I guess. I struggle with it. I mean, because it, it is a repetitive. I've, I've had carpal tunnel surgeries on both hands. So some of that just comes with the territory. Right. How about yourself, Jennifer? So part of the reason I got into acupuncture was actually, I realized very quickly, I'm 5'2", so I'm even smaller than Molly. I realized very quickly that my body was probably not going to hold up to the rigors of general practice. And so acupuncture, I was like, I can do that until I'm 80. I don't need big muscles to manhandle a lot of things. But I would say that I, I too see my own chiropractor every two weeks. I recently also have started seeing a sports medicine doctor to help me with some shoulder issues, but um, keeping in shape and then adding in small animals. And I occasionally see cows and other animals, I think has helped as well uh, because it helps supplement my income without me having to sacrifice my body quite as much with maybe an equine only focused. No, that makes sense. How about yourself, Jenny? Similarly, I have, uh, I think because I've built up the practice over time, I've built up that conditioning and strength associated with it. Very careful. You know, part of the training in chiropractic training is how do we position our bodies so that the force that we put into the animal doesn't hurt us when it comes back. And so be mindful of that, eating right, staying healthy, core strengthening exercises. And then probably I'm not as consistent as I should be, but my goal would be to see my chiropractor once a month and then have a massage once a month. So something every two weeks, that would be my goal. Don't always accomplish it. but For sure. Oh well, yeah. Great intentions. <laughs> so last question, and Jennifer, we'll start with you. I'm sure there'll be people listening to this going, hmm, this might be for me. Uh, this is a part of my practice I really like. So uh, the question for all of you, we'll start with Jennifer's. What advice would you give to a new grad or you know, somebody who's been in practice for a while, could it be any length of time, in terms of who would like to have a focused practice? I think it would just be flexible and not be afraid to make your own path. Just because someone else hasn't done it before doesn't mean it can't be done. So kind of find what you like, find what makes you happy, what makes you want to go to work and go for it. How about yourself, Molly? I would say, you know, get a good foundation first. I'm always grateful for the years I spent in general practice, you know, with both my internship and then the general practice just to give me sort of a broad overview of medicine and how to deal with just general horse medical problems. 
Um, because even though I don't do that anymore, like I said, there's a, there's a body attached to the head <laughs> mm-hmm. and you need to know all of that. And I think had I gone straight from school into just dentistry, I think I would have missed some of that. Yeah. There was a very wise vet in our area and uh, she was mentoring a young grad who wanted to go right away into acupuncture. And she said, go into practice for five years. Like just, you got to learn the foundations and you'll be a better acupuncturist or chiropractor or whatever if you have that foundation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And how about yourself, Jenny? I think I would mirror a lot of the same, the same uh, recommendations. I do think it's very important to have those years in practice. I think for me and what I do, having had a long number of years doing performance horse lameness has really helped me when I do the chiropractic work. And I think it also adds to the level of respect that I receive from my clientele because they know I have that experience that I'm not just looking at something as solely a chiropractic issue, that I can look at the horse and say, there is another issue that you need to have addressed. And so I think the combination of having that experience in practice, getting excellent training in what you want to do, having a capability of building relationships with both the clientele and your other veterinarians in the area. And I think the flexibility as well, but, but not being afraid to go for it and say, you know, this is what I want to do and pursue it. And I think what, what you really love to do, it won't be hard to continue to do that. And I think back to the, one of the things that surprises me, I'm always surprised by how much I can help a horse just with my hands. And I think that's one of those things that, helps me every day. You know, I think, wow, look, look at what I can do for a horse. I go to work and as Jennifer said, uh, animals are happy to see me and that's a good day. So I think having all that experience, the foundation, the education, as well as the relationship building is, is, or those are all important elements to having a focused practice. I I don't think you can go directly to the focused practice without having uh, that background. Wonderful. I always thought is that the veterinary profession is so wonderful because there are so many opportunities and uh, really the hats off to the three of you who have really pushed against that and have even opened up doors for others. And I hope people listening to this get inspired for their own opportunities. So I'd like to thank all three of you. Uh, and I also want to uh, thank our sponsor, Barrier Engelheim, for their support of this podcast because it's lonely being a vet, so having great support is 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 wonderful. So thank you to Barringer Engelheim. So, and uh, Molly, Jennifer, and Jenny, thank you very much for uh, sharing your stories. For more resources to help you in daily practice, please visit the AAP's website at aaep.org. Barringer Engelheim Equine Health understands the incredible relationship that exists between horses and humans. And when it comes to managing the horse's health, there are actually two patients, the horse and the owner. That's why we create science that helps strengthen and prolong that bond. To learn more about Beringer Ingelheim's approach to equine treatments and solutions, visit bi-animalhealth.com equine.